Hello and welcome to the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and strategies for coaching the mental game of softball. I'm Melanie Rushing, and I'll be joined shortly by Alicia Smith and a special guest who is guaranteed to make you laugh. Before we get to our guest, I want to share a special opportunity. If you're listening to this when it airs on Monday, September 14th, I am launching our first round of the Practice Plan Accelerator. It's for coaches who want to build the mental game into their practice plans in an easy way that doesn't feel like a ton of added extra time in a way that actually gets the results you've been trying to get for your girls. You'll hear our guests talk a lot about this today, so I think it's very fitting that it's happening on this episode. So check that out at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash PPA for Practice Plan Accelerator. All right, let's get to our guest. She's a former star at the University of Michigan and part of their national championship team. And now she works with girls all over Michigan to improve their skills at both catching, hitting, and the mental game. I'm so excited to have her on here to share her experiences and her perspective on building competitors that aren't afraid to fail. And it's really cool hearing her perspective as someone who gives lessons too, because she sees these girls in a very small window of time and is trying to teach them how to apply it at game time. So I think you're going to learn a ton from her today. I can't wait to introduce you. Please welcome Coach Tiffany Worthy-Deering. Welcome, Coach. Whoop, whoop. Hey, how are you guys? Hey, welcome, Tiffany. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. Um, I've known you for several years now. You've, you've been, you know, a one of my former players has gone to you uh, for hitting lessons, but also just talking to you often in the softball world. So I really appreciate you joining in. Thank you so much, you guys. Who knows what's going to come out of my mouth? So um, <laughs> let's get it going. I'm excited. Hey, that's you. okay. That's one of the things I love about you is that you just say it like it is. So, so the first thing that we want to talk about today is just kind of talk, talk to us a little bit about your softball journey, uh, how you ended up at Michigan. And then we'll talk a little bit about your experience at Michigan and playing for Hutch and winning a national championship. Oh, okay. So originally um, from Southern California, Orange County, um, played a bunch of travel ball growing up. Didn't start really until I was like 11-ish, 11, 12. Um, but we were just kind of like just immersed in the softball world, tons of softball um, all the time, playing five, six games a week a day every weekend and um playing with good teams but it, it was just because we just absolutely fell in love with it and it was super fun um and then the recruiting process is much different than it was back then we just played really freaking hard and there happened to be coaches at our games and um they watched us play and we really didn't even know we had no we, we felt no pressure we were just playing because we loved the game and um you know, there were, there were college coaches at our games and at a certain point in the process, they got to talk to us and, uh, they talked to us and we got to talk to them after us, like in Colorado or whatever, at the end of a tournament, we got to talk to coaches. And then you start to set up your visits. You used to get snail mail and you, you got to, you got to get a mail, a mailing. And then your parents would say, look at who you got to talk to or who's talking about you. And then you would, then you would read the letter and then you'd start to schedule your visits. And then we scheduled our visits. And my first visit was to Michigan and I fell in love with the staff and the people and not necessarily the climate, but it was welcome week. So it was right before um, like it got cold. And so I had a tank top and jeans on or jean shorts. Or I don't even remember what I was wearing, but tank top definitely. And I got to go to a big, a big, really fun game. And, um, the people were great and it just felt like home. 
And so then I canceled all my other stuff. And my mom about lost her crap when I told her that I was going to commit to Michigan. My dad was like, yeah, go blue. Because I wouldn't let my parents come with me on the recruiting visit. I didn't even know where Michigan was on the map. Like when people go like this, I still don't know how to do it. Like when they put their hand up and they go like, here we go. Here's the state. Here's where we're at. I still have no freaking clue. Um, but I told my mom on my way home, I'm like, mom, I'm committing. And my dad was like, yeah, do it, do it. My mom's like, oh no, you didn't. Like, you're not doing that. You're not flying this far away from me. You got to take your other trips. And I, but I absolutely fell in love with it. And my experience there, it, um, looking back on it, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was hard. It was really freaking hard. Um, Initially, it, you're just kind of like like starstruck, kind of like by everything that happens, and you get all this cool stuff, and then you get to the real practices, and it's like, you suck. Everybody's just as good as you. You all the way suck. Like, you're not that good. Your swing sucks. You suck, <laughs> basically, in a nutshell. So that's kind of how it started, and then you start to go through, like, the mental things. Like, I thought it was so sick. Like, I thought it was the real deal when I got there, and then you get kind of brought down a little bit, and everybody else is just as good, if not better than you, and then you really start to, like, start to go through, like, the mental stuff. And, and it gets really nasty and really ugly real fast. And if you haven't been prepared for any of that stuff, if you haven't, if nobody's ever told you that like, you're gonna, your autonomic nervous system is gonna fire. And if you don't know how to handle it, you're gonna shit the bed. Like, and then guess what, you shit the bed. And then if any kind of adversity comes your way, um, then all of a sudden you start to worry about like, oh, this teammate's better than me and this teammate's better than me. And then I hope I don't suck and I hope I don't suck. And then, so then you have this like level of fear that creeps in. So I went through all of that and it, it really wasn't until like, it was, it was trying. It was really trying. It wasn't until really my junior year that it all clicked. Like, okay, I got this. I can pull my crap together. I can do it. Um, and it, there's a lot of details that leading up to that, that kind of brings you to that spot in your life where you go like, all right, I'm here. I better pull it together. I'm here because I love it. And you just have like awareness, like a self-awakening kind of. Um, but then I graduated and then you're like, what do I do now? And then fast forward six months, I started just giving lessons. I didn't even know how to give a lesson. And then 13 years later, 12 years later, I'm where I'm at now. I've had a facility for 11, 12 years. I don't know what it is. And you start to reflect back on what you went through and you're thinking, well, how can I help these girls or help prepare these girls to, to get to a point that they're going to go like, this is what I'm about to experience and make it real for them. So the ones that I really love to work with, the girls that I really love to work with now are the ones that I can kind of prep for like, this isn't all roses and butterflies and rainbows. Like we better toughen up, Buttercup, and then I st and then then I look back and go like, okay, what were some of the limiting factors that made me crap the bed my freshman and sophomore year, and how could I have done it differently? It was a very, very, very trying experience. It was very trying. I mean, I got told that you're the worst person that ever came here. Like, I got told everything. Like, you suck. <laughs> like, don't play. Like, <laughs> you're horrible. And, it, and it, it really, it really sticks to you. And then you figure out 
what you're made of. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I mean, you've been through it. You guys have both been through it. Right. Absolutely. And you're not sugarcoating oh, no. anything. You are very black and white about it and very honest about what they're going to face. So how do you feel like that helps you prepare your kids? What are some of the things besides being you and being completely honest, what are some of the things that you do to help prepare them for that next step? Well, I think a lot of times it's almost not even preparing the kids. It's preparing the parents because the parents, a lot of the parents are thinking like my kid needs to play D1. Here's what needs to happen. They need to play D1. They're going to go play D1 ball. And this is how we're going to get there. And a lot of times they don't realize that there's like D2, D3, NAIA. Like there's, a, there's an experience outside of D1 that their kids could really thrive in. So I think it's about just reading the kids and, and kind of um, seeing what their best or what their strong suits are. And, and then just giving them like an honest honest um, evaluation and saying like, dude, you're probably not going to play one. You might play D2 or D3, but you can really thrive there. And the most important thing is getting your stinking education, you know? Um, so I think it's more about prepping the parents and letting them get over whatever they're thinking and then, and then go into the kids and making them excited about D2, D3 and AIA. Cause every kid can play somewhere in, in, in my personal opinion, but um, it's more about prepping the parents and then telling the kids it's okay if you don't play d1 and you know what if you try to really try and play d1 and you're not good enough to play d1 then you're gonna hate it so like go play d2 or d3 or naia and still just go get your education and play ball do the thing you love the most because otherwise you're gonna be the 26th player and you're gonna hate it you're gonna hate it all the way so i think a lot of times it's it's more just giving the parents that it's okay if she doesn't play d1 you know, like, I, I don't know, it's like a pride thing a little bit. And I, I, I all, all the time I always tell the girls, like, like, just be your best you. Your best you is all you can do. And um, a lot of times everybody's comparing each other to or it, themselves to everybody else. And, and then we forget about ourselves and, and what our objective is. So we have to like slow it down sometimes and place a goal in mind. Hey, I want to play here, here, and here, and then let's execute it. Let's see if we can get there. And then, and really possible, then, then let's back off a little bit and then go, then go find out what our, like what we can actually freaking do. One of the biggest things is, and I don't want to talk a bunch, but I want to be real. Um, one of the kind of things that I talk a ton about in lessons or with clients is just our fear of failure, right? And the lack of trust that we have in ourselves. Um, so I talk a ton about that and I think 80, 80, 90, actually hundred percent, let's be honest, hundred percent of our kids are so afraid to make mistakes and they're so afraid of, um, outcome that they're not trusting the process and the kids that don't like prepare and don't put in the work and don't try hard and that just want a magic wand, which I also have here, I have a magic wand, but, um, the kids that don't trust their process and where they are in the process and they just want outcome, outcome, outcome. It's like the generation that we just want ultimate results right away. That, that those are kids that really struggle. Um, the kids that are not afraid to fail are the ones that I see that just really thrive. And they're the ones that just really enjoy it. Like they'll be here and they're smiling, having a good time. And we'll like, I actually had one of my girls today, uh, a, I didn't have her. We were talking this morning. Um, she plays at Penn State. She's like, Tiff, 
I got in trouble today because, um, or last week, because uh, I'll read the text. And maybe I shouldn't read it, but I guess I am going to because that's how I do. She said, you should be aware that I had an absolute nuke at practice and I accidentally did our little wave thing really discreet and the pitchers got mad. So I got in trouble. So like when I had her last year and the year before and the year before, she, she's a little small thing and she would drop bombs and I would be like, let's go just wave by like wave by like this, like to your friend in the dugout and like own it, you know? And so she did it on accident at practice the other day and she got in trouble, but I was like, hell yeah, at least you still have your confidence, girl. Right. No fear in her brain right there. And that was so beautiful to me because she was just like, I got this. Like she wasn't even supposed to go to Penn state. She shouldn't have been good enough to go there. And I love that she just still had that ownership and the, the trust, you know? So I, I honestly think it's the, the hugest thing is the fear of failure and it sucks. I don't know why we like keep telling ourselves like we're not good enough or I'm scared to make mistakes or, I mean, I went through all that. So anyway, I really like, I really like that. <laughs> so I love when people get a little sassy. I love that. I've actually had that combo with like team after team and it doesn't matter what age, like, okay, are you comfortable just like saying right now, like, what are you really good at? Especially if they don't know me very well. They're like, oh, um, I'm kind I'm kind of a good hitter or um, I, I have a pretty good fastball. Like, no, like, call out, like, own it. <laughs> I feel like that's for some reason really hard for girls. How do you build that confidence and build that trust when you have such quick interactions with them? Yeah, so like if I see like a hundred girls a week um, and sometimes more, sometimes a little bit less, um, it's really about developing the relationship with the girls and getting them to trust you. And I'm not trying to be prideful at all, but I really try and get them to understand, like make sure they totally understand it and make sure they feel comfortable, whether they're throwing, hitting, pitching, fielding, making sure they're totally comfortable you can tell me anything that you don't understand and I'll explain it 35 different ways. And um, let's just see if we can capitalize on one of your strengths, whether it's your independent hands or whether it's your ability to use your legs. And I won't try and do everything. And, and then you have to kind of like lift them up when they do it the right way a couple of times. And once you find what their one strength is, or if there's no strengths, create one. And then just, you, you know, like tell them like, that's really good. You can do it. And then even after like 10, if they still crap the bed and they still sucked, you go like, Hey dude, like you still got this. Don't beat yourself up. You can do hard things. And then, um, I, I like, I, I really honestly just tell them like, pick one thing you want to get good at and, and get good at it. And, um, then you just encourage them along the way. And then they, then they, all of a sudden they want to freaking compete. Then they get nasty, which is beautiful. <laughs> I love yes. when they get nasty, but they have to do it on their own. And when parents step in and try and force it on them, then you have resistance. And then they're like, everything I do is wrong. I can't do anything right for my parents. Right. I, oh. I experienced that with my own daughter, the whole resistance thing, you know, right away from the soccer standpoint, right? She's playing soccer and I was your effort isn't good enough. And right. so I felt that resistant instantly. So I'm like, okay, check myself here. Let's right. kind of reflect a little bit because one, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing the thing that drives me crazy at the parents on the sideline. Right. So I, mm -hmm. I have to check myself, but I think yeah. it's like, 
one of these techniques that I, I tried with my daughter that I'm trying right now is, is I'm explaining what it means to her to be what the process means, right? That this one is never ending. And right. two, it is something that you have to enjoy because you're right. going to go through ups and downs, right? So I got her a big glass jar at Hobby Lobby. And I said every, and a roll of pennies. And I said, every time you do something to improve with soccer, you put a penny in the jar. If you go out and train on your own, you get a penny. If you go to practice, you get a penny. So I said, can you imagine what this, what this glass jar might look like after a month? So we're a month in right now and it hasn't even covered the very bottom yet. You can still see glass, right? Right. And I said, so can you imagine what this would look like maybe in six months or a year? I said, I said, also, can you imagine what would that jar look like if you didn't put any pennies in? And right. she was all about it. And she goes outside and practices on her own. And she, mom, I got a penny today. That's great. I'm really proud of you. But the next step has happened. Or she's 10 years old. So the next step that has happened already is she said, hey, mom, I want to go, I want to go to, you know, Sky Zone and jump around for two hours. Does that count as a penny? Well, it's a conversation, right? I said, well, what do you think? Right. And then she says, well, I think I'm working on my conditioning. So for soccer, so I think it can, okay, then great. It's your process. It's your journey. It's how do you feel like you're, so she is trying, I'm trying to help her find a way to be invested in her journey right. and get better on her own. A hundred percent. And so many parents like lose perspective of that. And so many girls just, I don't know if they just like, they, they feel entitled to just come get their lesson and they get their lesson. But then I have some girls who are so excited that their parents are spending 45 bucks for that half hour and they get to learn, 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 and they go, and then they go and work on it on their own and they're intrinsically motivated and their parents aren't all over them. But there's some that the parents are just hovering over them and like sucking the fun right out of it. They're like energy vampires to these kids. And so then the kids just completely don't even want to do it. But it's, it's more about like the process and, and what are we trying to get to. And it's really not about softball at the end of the day. It's like empowering these young girls to know that like they can do hard things. And if you put some time and all of your 110% effort into it, you can, you can be whatever you want and you can do whatever you want. I don't give a dang if it's softball or soccer or volleyball or whatever the hell it is. Like we want to make sure these girls know that when they put their heart and soul into it, cause they really want to do it, they can do it. Like I've seen it. It's, it's, it's impressive. And, and you can tell the girls that are going to be able to accomplish something really, really, really good. And some of the girls that are just going to be like, and just be like, burnout, 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 because the parents are just like, you have to do this. You have to go there. You have to do this. You're not good enough. That, and they feel that. And that's the last thing we want to do to our, young female athletes. That's really awesome that you're telling your daughter that. That's cool. I need to start a penny jar, it sounds like. Uh, I want to go back to actually something you were talking about in the beginning with that trust factor. <laughs> trust that Connor is going to be loud. <laughs> how do you teach your girls how to trust the process? What are some things that you do within your lesson that they can take with them into their other practices and onto the field that help... I guess get them to realize that like it's just one little piece of the puzzle. <laughs> yeah. So like I'll break it into sometimes um, with regards to trust, I'll break it into like making sure they un totally understand off of like the T what we're working on. And then when I go behind the, the L screen or the front house screen or I'm pitching to them live, you can see they're just wheels are spinning and I'll be like, wait, you totally don't trust it because you're judging it. And then I'll tell girls like, I want you to judge it, but I want you to get all the way over it. I was telling a girl the other night, like, 
and this is really stupid. This is really, really stupid. I, I don't know, it came to my brain one time and I was like, hey, do you want to be a porta potty or a toilet? I said, a porta potty, like every time you have a ball that is crappy, you think about it, and then that's poop in your potty. And I said, or do you want to be a toilet that you can like flush the toilet every time you have a crappy ass swing and get all the way over it? So like I don't expect the girls necessarily to, and I know it's so stupid, I don't expect the girls necessarily to not judge it because when I tell them don't judge it, like we're all human, we're gonna judge it, but I want them to be all the way over it before their next swing, which is gonna encourage them to trust it. So by the time they get the moving object coming at them and they have to hit a round ball with a round object and square it up, I want them to be totally confident in their ability to do it and, and have no fear of failing. I want them to be like, yes, 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 I'm gonna swing. I'm gonna go get it. And then if they suck at it, they either have the choice and the decision to be like, I'm gonna porta potty or I'm gonna toilet. And so sometimes that will help because as soon as I scoop back, like to start tossing to them or pitching to them, you can just see those wheels spinning and you can see the lack of trust and you can see the judgment literally coming out of their ears. I see clouds coming out of their ears and their nose and their eyes and and you can watch their body language and you can totally tell that there's a lack of trust so we need then we need to go back to square one and say like all right all i want you to do is trust your legs i don't care about the outcome because we're all focused on outcome 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 results 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 so then i'll go back and say like hey dude let's just focus on your legs so out of five how many can you just focus on your legs and when you suck get all the way over it so um, that's kind of one of the strategies I use with girls. It helps a lot. And then they can celebrate their small victories uh, as far as like, st I stayed in the ground there for three out of five. Cool. Let's go. Let's do another three out of five. And then you can start to like pick up the pace, pick up the pace. But I think so many coaches and instructors want to give them information all the time and be like, oh, you're dropping your shoulder. You're, and then the girls like want to receive it because they want to be coachable, but then they start to lose their trust a little bit. Um, so I think it's, it's making sure that they know what they're trying to accomplish when the moving sphere, like one of the girls told me the other day, it's a sphere, Tiffany, and that's a pylon. It's not a cone. Like it's, <laughs> it's like getting them to trust one ball at a time and then letting them have like their little small victories and then next ball at a time with either we're working on X or Y. We're not trying to work on everything all together. Cause that's when they really start to go like, I suck, I suck. And so when they're at practice, maybe addressing the coach, like, coach, I've really been working on just staying in my legs. All right, so today, I'm just going to have you stay in your legs, and that's your focus. But when we try and focus on hands, legs, um, shoulders, an independent hand, like driving your backside, then all of a sudden, they don't know what the hell they're working on, and then it becomes like a, such a waste of time. So I think just having like a purpose and um, is really super important for these girls, and, and having little small baby victories and controlling our thoughts and allowing ourselves to like be crappy and then get over it, be crappy, get over it. Or we can be a big fat porta potty. <laughs> That's so good. I love it. Cause it's no one wants to be a porta potty. <laughs> it makes sense to these girls. So I'm like, all right, you're a porta potty again. Suck it. Like you suck. Shoot, I, just, I need that for myself some days. <laughs> you suck. Like, are you thinking one pitch? Are you, are you in the process? Are you thinking one pitch at a time? Are you yes, yes, yes? Are you attacking? Are you trying to beat the pitcher? Are you thinking about like what your um, 
I got lots of girls. Are you thinking about what your nonverbals are saying to the pitcher? Like pitchers are already scared to death to make mistakes. So like your nonverbals should be fairly confident and your brain, like what you're telling your brain should be like, yes, I'm going to attack this girl. She's got nothing. And then when you suck at it, you just have to step out and get all the way over it and don't carry it with you to the next one or else you're a porta potty. <laughs> and it, it's really smelly and I don't like porta potty. So I don't know why that came to me, but there it is. But sometimes it's those like just things that come out of your head that, that allows you to communicate, right? It's just, yeah. a, it's an honest way to communicate. You're being honest with them and you're saying, you're just, you're just not, you're not being yourself. You're not letting go. You're not doing these that things, right? Why? But instead of saying those things, because we are so outcome based, it's just a reminder, right? Being a porta potty. Everybody is so outcome oriented. And then as soon as you get back to that front desk screen or the live screen, they really start to judge themselves again. And I don't know why, but um, they really just judge themselves. And I go like, if you're going to judge it, let's go back to the T and you can judge it there. Are you going to trust it? Or are you going to judge it? Like trust yourself. Like I don't give a, like I sucked in high school. My student was garbage. I already told you that my student was garbage. I got to Michigan. I thought I was the bomb. And then I was like, wait, crap. I don't know how to swing. But I was, was kind of good in high school. <laughs> I was kind of good in travel, but I thought I was good. I didn't know that my swing, I didn't even know anything about keeping your hands inside. I didn't know anything about like staying in the ground. I didn't know anything. I just was like, I'm going to beat this pitcher. And I think a lot of times like it comes back to, like I said before, I think it comes back to like, we're creating all these softball robots that are so outcome oriented or so worried about like, if I'm doing my setup right, or if I'm getting my load right, by the time the moving thing is coming at you, I don't need a damn, trust it. So that's like where I go back to the girls. Like if you don't trust it by now, like all these girls that are panicking about high school tryouts, if you don't freaking trust your swing by now, you're going to crap the bed, period. <laughs> that's all there is. Yeah. Like your muscles take a long time to have memory. So if you don't trust it by now, and if, if your brain can't be tough enough when I'm making you this perfect cage header, then you're not going to do it in the game. Mm -mm. Yeah, and I think that that's, I think you, you've you said it several times about being so outcome-based, and, and I think you and I have both seen beautiful swings, and they miss the ball, and we've seen crappy swings, and they hit a home run. So, Dude, so I'm the queen of, like, you should see the girls, like, like I tell the girls, I'm like, Dude, am I supposed to call, call your college coach and say, like, you should see her in the cages? <laughs> like, it's so stupid, because, like, at some point, you want somebody who's just going to compete, and not worry about like if they did it right or wrong, they're just gonna freaking win the battle, right? Like, right. but I have all these girls that do it perfectly in the cage, but they can't, they can't show up to play in a game. And I think that all goes back to that lack of trust mm -hmm. and really knowing what your process is, right? It's trusting the process, like you were saying earlier. Mm -hmm. And like, if they don't trust it, then they're just gonna be a cage header. I tell them like, you're just gonna be the robotic cage header coaches don't want that so you have to keep encouraging that competitive spirit and not just like outcome 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 or like fear of making those mistakes like you just got to get the kid to go like I'm gonna beat this person no matter what it takes I'm gonna win I'm gonna win the battle like put up a freaking fight so I mean I don't really care about like girls getting lessons but ultimately like I want kids just to freaking compete and like win the small battle one pitch at a time otherwise they're going to be in the port potty situation. <laughs> and that's one of the things that, that Hutch even talked about when she was on our, our, our podcast is that the kids, the kids today, she's seeing that lack of, of being able to compete. 
because yeah. the travel ball tournaments have turned into showcases. They don't yeah. even go to seven innings, right? They're and, so worried about everything yeah. else other than the softball. Yeah. Right, right. Everybody's like, I'll, I'll, I'll watch girls. And it's really funny because now that I'm in this different space, there's like boys walking in and like really good baseball players coming in and the girls now, like you can see their eyes shifting back and I'll be like, cool that you saw that. Now you need to have like a, Hey self, is that the softball? Or like when you have a thought, like, I'll be like, is that the softball? Right? Like we lose focus of the softball. Like, oh, there's five coaches behind me or, oh, I'm going to like a showcase. And I'm like, okay, is the showcase the softball or is the softball the softball? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, we lose all the, we, all the way lose focus because our parents are going like, we got this big showcase coming up. My daughter needs a lesson or we have to do this and do this and do this because we had a showcase and we're trying to get a college scholarship and da, 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 da. And so when the girls come in, I'm like, are you focused on everything else? Or are you focused on the softball? Because if ultimately the sphere that's coming at you is the only damn thing that matters and then your teammates matter. Like how, like what about that, right? So it's good to see them freak out when there's coaches behind them and radar guns behind them and, you know, showcases where they're getting their running times and their, their pop times and all that stuff. But I, I always encourage them to understand and be aware of, okay, self, am I thinking about the outcome Am I thinking about the people around me? Am I thinking about who's watching me? Or am I really, really dialed into just one softball at a time? And 99% of the time, they're not thinking about one softball at a time. Mm -hmm. They're thinking about everything else. Mm -hmm. And then we lose our ability to compete. Right. And we get paralyzed, especially when we start to get nervous and anxious and our autonomic nervous system fires up and we don't know how to control it. So what are some of the tips that you have been able to give your kids to, to be able to, I mean, we've talked about the focus part, but what do you do or what kind of tips do you have for your kids when you're working with them to, to kind of help put them under time and pressure, maybe to simulate that in, in a lesson? So a lot of times, like the girls have never even thought about like singing a song in their head. Like it's so basic, but singing a song. And when, when I had my walk-up song at Michigan, like the first year I had like a hype song. I was so stoked about it. And then I didn't realize like my, my, um, my vision or like my scope of awareness was so broad that I didn't need that huge pump up song. I was already so pumped up. I need something to like kind of narrow my vision or narrow my focus of awareness, focus of awareness that I changed it. I think like my sophomore year, my junior, I made it like Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. Cause I needed to chill all the way out. Cause I was already aware of every detail around me that I needed to chill all the way out. I had a girl the other night in a lesson, I'm not kidding you, that I made her sing the French alphabet while she was hitting. And all of a sudden she just started smoking balls. Mm -hmm. I made her um, hit lefty and I didn't invent this. I think Hutch made us all hit lefty like pre big 10 championship tournament game or something she made us all all the righties hit lefty all the lefties hit righty and we're like thinking what just to chill your brain out so like um like having a song in your head um singing talking to yourself some kind of visual like imagery is what i encourage girls to do like even if it's a color or a deep breath like a belly breath um 
like positive self-talk, talking to yourself the whole time on the way to the game. Like I could do hard things. I got this. I'm going to beat the pitcher. She thinks she's better than me. Like just talking that kind of crap in your head um, and not so much worried about outcome. Um, we also, I also will tell girls, um, like I'll have, I'll just like tell coaches to throw girls popcorn kernels before a game or like Skittles to be fun and like say the color of the Skittle you hit um, just to give them like a focus. Cause a lot of times we lose that focus. And if you can get those girls to narrow their awareness back in that scope of awareness, if you can get them to, f to figure out how to like take that broad scope and bring it down to like a more narrow scope and then start to train them to do that. I think when the pressure's on, they have the ability to slow it down and get back to one ball at a time. And I think Hutch and her staff and Bonnie and Biggie were so excellent at making practices the most stressful thing we've ever been through. And we failed the whole entire time, but they, they made us, um, they made it really, really super fast paced. And then by the time we got into a game, it like felt like it was slow motion if we trusted what they were doing. Right. Um, and if we bought into their process and it took a while, especially for yours truly, but it took a while for me to buy into it. But once you bought into it, when you got in the game, the game felt slow because they, they, they enabled us to like take our scope of awareness and bring it in and be able to really focus on what was important, which goes back to just one softball at a time. That's really cool. I, I think that that's the challenge that a lot of coaches have, um, mm -hmm. especially the ones that, you know, I've talked to is they're not sure how to a implement mental training into practice as if it's another thing to do. And two, we are so focused on um, making sure our bunt defense is straight, our first and thirds. Um, and like as coaches, volunteer coaches, I'm sure um, they struggle with like time management. Like, what do I teach the kids? What am I trying to instill in them? Like, do we have time to do this? Do we have, if the kids have a decent softball IQ, which most kids have garbage softball IQ, if they have decent softball IQ, they're going to be able to read plays and know just inherently where to go with the ball because all these kids are just waiting for the coaches to tell them what to do with it when they get it and it's too late. And, and, and as you guys know that this game is so freaking fast that we don't got time to look to our coaches to say like where to go with the ball. I'm talking like youth level. So I think that just getting these girls softball IQ up is much, it, it should be really important. And they, honestly, the coaches don't have time and a lot of the coaches don't know what the hell they're talking about to begin with. So it makes it hard, makes it really challenging. And then we lose sight of defensive stuff and we go back to hitting, which is the fun part or pitching, which is the dominating part. So I don't know. I think there's a real lack of softball IQ going on and um, we got to figure out ways to get the girls to be a little bit smarter, whether it's watching the game, whether it's watching baseball, softball. Totally agree. And then it kind of goes back into everything we've been talking about. It's like if your brain is filled with too many things, it won't be able to focus on any one thing. So if they literally don't know where they're going next pitch, how do you expect them to trust it and perform? They're just so worried about getting screamed at and told that they're doing it wrong that they don't have no freaking clue what they're supposed to do in the moment. <laughs> they're so worried about it. It's so stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I've been there. I was in there in college. I was so worried about, like, I completely shit the bed. Like, I remember going, like, I hope the ball doesn't get by me when I'm catching. My freshman year, I was 
so scared of the ball getting by me because I didn't want to lose my spot when I should have been like, this is my plate. I'm going to own it. This is my plate, right? Like nobody's going to run on me. Like those were not the thoughts in the least that I had my freshman year. I was so scared to make a mistake that I was literally paralyzed. I remember the game going by so freaking fast that I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell you what two plus two was. I guarantee you. And then I would get back in the dugout and go like, Oh my God, why am I such a mess? And my heart rate was so fast. And like, if you put a heart rate, like I probably would have had a heart attack if you had a heart rate monitor on me. But I was so scared of making mistakes that I wasn't trusting myself or my muscles or, or the pitcher or even commanding the defense behind the plate. Like there was no chance I could command a defense when I was scared to death of making mistakes. So it's all, it all goes back to that fear of failure and that trust factor. So, I mean, I completely crapped the bed for several years. <laughs> Ditto. Know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> oh. So if you could tell the girls now, because we know everyone's going to go through it. Um, hopefully not as long as I did. But <laughs> Or could, myself. <laughs> I'm with you. Through college. I was like, mother, I got only one yeah. year left. Now I finally figured it out. Awesome. <laughs> like, I could have been so good. Let's go. Let's go again. <laughs> yeah, right. So what are, if you could give three things, oh, three things. that you allow your girls to think. Like these are the three things you're allowed to tell yourself before you go into the game or when you're feeling nervous. What three, even if it's just like a category, what types of things do you want them to say to themselves? I want them to have a lot of positive self-talk. Like, I'm good enough. I can do this. I'm going to beat her. I got this. Like those kind of things, those phrases. Um, but ultimately, I... I've really been harping like, let's just control the controllables. Like, let's control our breath. Let's control our thoughts. Let's just do what we can do and trust what we can do. And ultimately at the end of the day, it's like, if you've prepared, then just give it your 110%. Trust yourself and control the things that you can control. So if you can step out after the inning's over and go like, could I control the umpire? No. Could I control the weather? No. Could I control the pitcher's attitude? Probably not. Could I control my coaches losing their crap? Can I control my parents losing their crap? No. So those are the things that we don't even want to let any of our being focus on. And we're just going to focus on one pitch at a time and controlling the controllables. Don't let yourself be the port potty. <laughs> and have fun. Have freaking fun. That's the third thing. Freaking mix in a smile, people. And that is a wrap for today's episode. I told you she's a hoot, right? We had some great conversations. I actually had about double this time worth of us just chit-chatting. One final reminder about the Practice Plan Accelerator. Go to mentalsweetspot.com forward slash PPA so you can learn how to build the mental game into your practice plan just like Tiffany. So you can get that competitive edge and that softball IQ to show up on game day when it counts. Thank you again for joining us. If you liked this episode, we would truly appreciate if you rated our podcast on your podcast player choice. Five little stars can help us reach more coaches like you and spread the word about coaching the mental game. If you want to go the extra mile, snap a screenshot of the episode and share your takeaways. What have you learned? What did Tiffany teach you? What are you going to take back to your team? So we can share it with our community and keep spreading the word. But thank you again for joining us. Have a great day.